Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. We'll get to our text in just a couple of minutes. I don't intend to be long today, but I want to give you three truths that can absolutely revolutionize our lives this morning. As you're turning in your Bibles or on your phone, your device, I want to remind you that or tell you that these lilies, you can pick one up, uh, lay a $10 bill beside it, and they're yours. They all need to go today because they won't last till next week. So please uh, take one home with you this morning. Also, next, next Sunday after church in room 103, Mark Milligan will be uh, having a meeting for those wishing to go to Montana. I've mentioned this several times that there will be a construction opportunity. Two other teams are coming to uh, Montana to help build the second cabin for Corey and Janet Jones. We put one up for them last year. Now we're joining with these two teams this year for the second one. It's going to be an exciting time. You may not know, but they're missionaries to the Native Americans, and they uh, have an opportunity to provide housing for foster care because it's very, very limited. It really doesn't ex exist on the reservation. So if you'd be interested in the construction side, site, come to the meeting next week. Secondly, I'll be doing a basketball camp, and I'm a little long in the tooth, Fred, I know, but that's what's going to happen uh, at the same time concurrently. And if you're a baller, if you can play basketball, I need your help, all right? We have five people right now. I need five more to go with us uh, to make this camp a success, and it's to Native kids. We're joining two high schools together. There could be as many as 300 kids if they all turn out, so I encourage you to Consider it, pray about it, and if you can play basketball, we need you in Montana, June 17th through the 24th. Looking at the scripture in just a second, when Jesus hung on the cross in the previous chapter, chapter 27 of the book of Matthew, the last thing he said was, it is finished. We talked about this last week. Then he dropped his head and it says his spirit fled from him. He gave up his spirit. When Jesus said, it is finished, and gave up his life, it led many to believe this was an ultimate defeat. That he was done once and for all. That he was not coming back. Think about this for just a moment. Satan thought he was done. He thought he had killed the Son of God. And his life was about to get much, much better without opposition. The Roman soldiers thought they had finished Jesus when they stuck a spear in his side and realized that he was dead. The religious elite thought they had finished Jesus because they had been combatants from the moment he launched his public ministry. The religious elite had fought against him. However, when Jesus said it is finished, that is not what he meant at all. That is not what that means in any way, shape, or form. He knew he had fulfilled the scriptures concerning the Messiah. He knew he had died the death that was prophesied in the Old Testament. And he knew that he had finished faithfully to the very end. When we consider that, he said, it is finished. He was really saying that the power of sin and death, that which held mankind for centuries, was now defeated once and for all through his death. And we can rejoice in that. Now we go to Matthew chapter 28. Read with me, beginning in verse 1. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. 
Behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. I preached that sermon before. The angel rolled back whatever's keeping you away from God, and he sat squarely on top of it. He made the way of access for you and I to know Jesus. Verse 3 says, his countenance was like lightning, his clothing as white as snow. And the guard shook for fear of him because, and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the woman, do not be afraid. I know you seek Jesus who was crucified. And I love verse 6. He is not here. He is risen. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. And quickly go tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. Indeed, he's going before you into Galilee, and there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went quickly away from the tomb with fear and great joy and bringing the word to his disciples. When you read that scripture, catch verse 6. He is not here. He is risen. Jesus Christ is the only person who has ever been resurrected from the dead. You say, oh, I beg to differ. There are other people in the scripture who were raised from the dead. I didn't say raised from the dead. I said resurrected from the dead. And there's a huge difference in those two things. You see, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead or the widow named son from the dead, they returned to the life they once had. They returned to the physical limitations of this earthly body. They went back to things being the way they were when he brought them back from the dead. But when Jesus was resurrected from the dead, all things changed. Everything became different when he came out of that grave and rose again from the dead. When he came out of that grave, he put on his heavenly body, his resurrected form. And that is a mighty and powerful thing when you think about it. He could walk through doors and he could eat food of humans. It's an amazing thing to see that resurrected body in that resurrected form. And may I tell you that one day, everyone who believes in Jesus Christ will shed this earthly garment, put on a heavenly form, and forever we will be with the Lord. It's time for us to recognize Jesus paved the way. He is the pattern. He is the example. So now when we face death, we don't fear because we know what's on the other side. When we face death, we're not consumed with anxiety because we know as a believer what's on the other side. We understand that even though I may, I may die, yet shall I live. That's what Jesus said to Martha in John chapter 11. We've got to come to the place where we accept and realize that the resurrection is the one event in history that changed everything. And without a doubt, it is the greatest event in history and the greatest comeback we have ever seen. We need to remember that when the world saw the cross, all they saw was defeat. When the Romans saw the cross, all they saw was death. When the Jews, the religious leaders saw the cross, they began to celebrate because Jesus was dead. But they didn't read the last page. They didn't go to the back of the book. They didn't understand that, yes, he would die, but he'd already prophesied, I will rise again from the dead. I will be resurrected. It's interesting that even though they didn't believe in Jesus, they asked the Romans to put a guard on the tomb so that no one would come and steal the body. And then we read in our text this morning when the angel of the Lord appeared 
And the soldiers were there. They were afraid and they fell on their face as though they were dead. They could not stand in the presence of a living God. They could not understand what God is doing in that moment and in that time. And may I tell you, it is hard for us to wrap our heads around what God is doing through the resurrection. We need to know and understand that the crucifixion was actually a combination of three powers working at that period of time. Satan wanted to kill him. The religious leaders wanted to kill him. And we know and understand that the Roman government wanted to kill him. So it was three things working together to bring about his crucifixion. As a result, he was nailed to a wooden cross. He was beaten beyond recognition. He was hung on that cross and he gave up his last breath for you and for me. I want to tell you three things very quickly. Number one, the resurrection is the greatest comeback in history. Nothing compares to it. Nothing is even worthy of consideration when you consider that Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead. And he lives forever and ever and ever. When we read the story of his resurrection, it causes us to think about the fact that failure is not fatal in our lives. Many of us will fail. Many many of us are failing. But failure is not fatal. Failure is actually an experience that everyone faces. Every single one of us walked through that door at one time or another. Matthew chapter 26, verse 31 and following. Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it's written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised... I will go before you. And then listen to Peter's response. We know what happened with Peter. Just hours later, he denied the Lord three times. Peter said, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all his disciples. Read the rest of the story. After they had seen him arrested and beaten by the Sanhedrin, after they had taken him before Pilate where he was scourged and his flesh was nothing recognizable, after they nailed him to a cross and caused his death, those who said, I will never, never, never run away from you did exactly that. They ran away from him. They failed. I believe in this passage of scripture we just read, Jesus is saying clearly, you may fail, but I'm the way out of your failure. You may fail, but it's not going to be final. You may be fail, but it's not fatal when you turn to me. Oh, somebody hear me this morning. You're in the room, you're online, you're watching and you're saying, oh, I have failed. I have messed up so badly. There's no way I can ever come back from that. Really? You really think so? I don't think that's true. I think that at any point in time, any moment in your life, he is able to bring you back and give you a wonderful and a great comeback. Failure can also be a tyrant that destroys your life, if not handled properly. You can read the story of Judas and his response in Matthew chapter 27, verses 3 through 5. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? You see to it. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple, departed and went and hanged himself. 
So many times when we're facing failure, we don't see a way out. We don't know how to overcome it. And all we can do is find our own solution, which is not the right solution. So many have been consumed by drugs and alcohol, and they can't find a way out of it. And as a result, they destroy their lives. Can I tell you this morning, the way out of any addiction is through the cross, through the power of Jesus Christ, by his shed blood. He can break every chain and set people free. Matter of fact, if you're in this room today and you have struggled with but have overcome any addiction, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. It's happened to me. He's done it for me. All around this room this morning, people are saying, failure does not have to be my tyrant, but rather I overcome my failure through the blood of the Lamb. My end does not have to be as it was for Judas. God has a better end and a better plan and a greater homecoming for me. Oh, somebody hear me today. You've listened to the lies of the devil. You've convinced yourself you'll never break free. But I've come to tell you this morning, because Jesus came back from the dead, you too can have a comeback today. You too can be liberated and set free today. They placed a, a huge stone over the face of that tomb. They put Roman soldiers to guard it. But listen, when God said it's time, it doesn't matter the obstacle that was in the way. The stone was rolled away. The guards fell down or passed out, whatever you want to call it. And Jesus came out no longer dead, but alive. Resurrected for the plan of the Father. Resurrected by the power of the living God. And failure can actually be a teacher that uses God uses to restore our life. John chapter 21. Beginning in verse 14, after he was resurrected, this is what he said to Peter. This is the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jodah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because of what he had said to him for the third time. And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. You'll remember in Matthew chapter 16 that Jesus took Peter, James, and John to the top of the Mount of Transfiguration. And it was there that Peter made the declaration by divine inspiration, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And it was there Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto you, but my father in heaven. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What was he saying? He's saying, Peter, you got it right. You had a divine revelation. You spoke God's will and God's plan for my life. And Peter, it doesn't matter what you're going to do. I'm going to get you out of it. I'm going to bring you back. So when Peter denied him three times, he wasn't surprised. But when he met him on the seashore, when he cooked breakfast for the disciples, then he said to Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? He was calling him back from what he had done. He was bringing him back to a place of repentance and transformation. He was actually aligning him with the perfect will of God so that whatever God said would be done at that moment in time. 
You know the rest of the story. Forty days after his resurrection, he told the disciples to go to Jerusalem and wait, tarry for the promise of the Father. And they waited ten days, they prayed, they worshipped. And then what happened on that 50th day? The Bible says Pentecost was poured out upon them. It was a powerful experience that gave them power and strength to take the word of God to the nations. And who was the first proclaimer of that truth? Oh yeah, Simon Barjona. The one Jesus called Peter. The one who everybody thought was an utter complete failure that could never come back. Yet in that moment, Jesus reached out to him and brought him back to him and renewed him and restored him. Oh, I'm talking to somebody today. You need to stop living where you're at and move forward. You can't stay in that failure and that pain and that grief and that loss. You've got to move beyond it. And you move beyond it by the grace of Jesus Christ. It's time to put your failure behind you. And if you have people always in your ear telling you how bad you are, how much you've messed up, get away from them. Begin to hear the word of the Lord. You're a son of God, a child of God. You are redeemed and ransomed. Hear what he has to say about you. Number two, Jesus is the king of comebacks. We celebrate every year that Jesus rose from the dead on Easter Sunday. But really, it should be a year-long celebration. We could never stop rejoicing that he is no longer dead, but is alive. And with his coming back, he demonstrated to every one of us, recovery is possible. It is possible to be brought back into the presence of God. You see, our comeback isn't contingent on who we are, but our comeback is contingent on whose we are. And if you belong to Jesus Christ, if you're a part of his family, if you're a child of God, it doesn't matter where you find yourself today, a comeback is for you. You can lay those failures behind you and you can say, because of him, I'm pressing forward to something new. Now, when we get that comeback, some of us need to repent, to ask God to forgive us. Some of us need to issue forgiveness and extend forgiveness to those that have harmed us and hurt us. We have to address our issues in order to see a comeback. Jesus, more than anything, wants you to come back from the problems that had finished you. You know what's going to happen when you do? You know the story of the prodigal son, right? The guy, when he was a teenager or a young man, decided he didn't want to live the farm life anymore. I did the same thing when I was 18. I don't want to live the farm life anymore. I'm tired of early mornings. I'm tired of late nights. I'm tired of dirt being dirty all the time. I'm tired of smelling like cows and horses. I want something different. That's what he said. I'm tired of living the farm life. So he went to his father and he said, Father, give me my inheritance. So the father granted. The Bible says he went his way and he spent his money on riotous living. You can figure out what that means. He did everything he wasn't supposed to do until he wasted every dime he ever had in riotous living. And suddenly he came to his senses when he was working for a man and eating the same stuff they fed the pigs. And he said, wait, even my father's servants live better than I am living. I'm going to get up and go back and maybe he'll receive me. You know the story. 
The father was watching for him. And when he was yet a long way off, the scripture says, the prodigal son ran to him. Now the father threw his arm around him. He welcomed him in his state of filth and disgust and smelliness. He welcomed him back into his family as his son. And then he ordered a new robe be placed around him and a ring on his finger. Prepare a huge banquet. We're celebrating because my son has returned. Oh, hear me. When one comes back into the kingdom, there is a celebration in heaven that cannot be equaled or paralleled. I believe the angels get loud. I believe the saints that have gone on before us get loud. Oh, when people come to Jesus, when they recognize Jesus is the king of comebacks, he changes their lives. For most of us, if not all of us, we need a comeback. We need an opportunity to come back into God's plan for our lives. No matter how great those combat comebacks are, Jesus Christ was even greater. And for most of us, a comeback is exactly what we need. The greatest comeback happened on this day when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I've come to tell you this morning, there is no hole too deep. There is no night too dark. There is no failure so final that you can't come back to Jesus Christ. And number three, if you want to come back, this is one you're not going to like. If you want to come back, you have to change. You have to change. You can't do the same thing that you've been doing and expect your circumstances to be altered. In order to experience a comeback, you have to be willing to change. My sister was put in the hospital Wednesday night, I believe, in Oklahoma City. It was an ICU. Her heart had stopped when she was at the little hospital out in Fairview. Potassium was dangerously low. But as soon as she gained some of her faculties and things began to come into balance, you know what she said? I want to go home. I want to go home. Get me out of here. Take me home. Someone said she is very stubborn. She is. And there's a right time to be stubborn and a wrong time to be stubborn. She chose the wrong time. We need to recognize that there is a right time for a comeback, and that time is now. That moment is today. It's your opportunity to come back. Tom, would you come back, please? A comeback always begins with change. Always begins with change. If you want to have a comeback today, you will have to change. Change your attitudes, change your opinions, change your heart in order to experience a comeback. You have to be willing to do things differently than how you've done them previously. Change never happens until we decide to change. Change happens when our heart changes. Change happens when our mind changes. Change happens when Jesus floods our life and makes new creatures out of you and me. Jesus is the most important person who ever lived in history. Say, well, what about Muhammad? What about Buddha? No. There's a grave. You can find them. They're still in it. But you go to the tomb of Jesus Christ, you know what you're going to find? Nothing. Nothing. The tomb is empty. Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Jesus was guilty of no crimes. It only done incredible good to the world around him. 
yet he was crucified. The most painful, horrendous death imaginable at that time. There can be no greater comeback than coming back from death on the cross. Three days after it, Jesus rose from the grave. The resurrection proves his victory over sin and over death. The resurrection proves the ultimate victory. Coming back to life, being resurrected, is one of Earth's great is the greatest story in history. He will come back. And he will bring you the opportunity to come back as well. When I think about the scripture and what it tells us about needing to change, Jesus said, marvel not to Nicodemus, marvel not that you must be born again. Paul said, whosoever believes or calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Paul said, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. See, it isn't a difficult thing to have a comeback. All we have to do is humble ourselves, submit ourselves, and ask Him to do something new in us today. Stand with me across this room. In a moment, Tom's going to begin playing this beautiful song and singing it one more time. You're here today, and you need to ask Jesus to come into your life. You need to ask Him to come and forgive you of your sins and to change your life, to make you whole and make you new again. That's you. As, I'm, as Tom begins to sing, I want you to step out and come. We're going to pray specifically for you. Elders and deacons, would you come and help me, please? We'll pray specifically for you and ask God to move in your heart and in your life today. Secondly, you're a part of the family. You know God but you have suffered because of a loss, failure, or a habit. And God's calling you back to Him this morning. He's saying to you, there's a comeback in your future. And it starts today when you are ready to change. So as Tom begins to sing, if you're in either one of those two categories, you need to accept Him as your Lord and Savior, or you need Him to bring you back by the circumstance you're in. As Tom sings, you step out and come. We're going to pray with you and pray for you. You made it to the end of the message, and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.